0: You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. We're gonna be looking again at the life of Moses, but as as we've been going through this, um, I'm not giving you the names of God just so that you have a good um, educational background, but it's so that you can know who God is. And David says this in Psalm 9. He says, those who know your name trust in you, and you do not abandon those that search for you. And when we look at, at this word to know, it's not just to know about, but it's to intimately know um it's to know through experience, to know through time spent together. and so it's it's more even greater than what I know you guys. It would be something similar to those of us who are married on on how well that we know our spouse or how well we know our parents very intimately and and we see God reveal his name in many different um, kind of perspectives. And that we've talked about him being Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We've talked about him being Jehovah um, Rohi, the God who sees me, Jehovah Nisi last week, he is our banner. But when we look at at the, the name Jehovah, the name Yahweh, this is the name that God gave Moses when he was sending Moses to Egypt to free his people, to speak to Pharaoh. And Moses says, well, who do I say is sending me? And God says, tell them, I am, that I am is sending you. And that name is Yahweh. That name is um, Jehovah. And it's, I have been, I am, and I will eternally be who I am, that I'm unchanging. And so when we look at this and we say that, that he is Jehovah Jireh, it means he has been, he is, and he will always be our provider, Jehovah-Rohi, he has been, he is, and he will eternally be the God who sees us and the God who is our victory and is our banner. And, And the reason why I want you to do this is so that you can grow, not just to know God more, but it's my hope that we will learn to trust God more. Because it's in the trusting that our faith is built, it's in the trusting that, that we get to know him, it's in the trusting that we step outside of our comfort zone, we step outside of our house, we step outside of our tent and just thinking like, when, when God was trying to bring Abraham to trust him, that he would be the father of many nations, he had to take Abraham outside of his tent and he said, look up. And so when as we know God and understand his nature, through these names, we step outside of ourselves and we begin to trust him more. And so we looked at Jehovah Nissi last week and he's our banner, he's our rallying point, he is our victory and above everything else. That's the name that we lift up. That's the name that unifies the church. That's the name that brings healing, brings salvation. That is the banner that we wave. And in Exodus chapter 15, we're, we're taking a step back from looking at the story last week. We see Moses is fresh out of Egypt, leading over a million complaining adults and children and they're hungry and they're thirsty they've they've experienced miracles while in Egypt god sending the plagues on the egyptians but not on the israelites God leading them through the wilderness by a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke, so he's leading them directly where he wants them to go, and then he gets them to the Red Sea, and God splits the Red Sea, and they don't just walk across, but we often miss that they walk across on what? Dry ground. You guys know how long it takes for ground to dry when it's been wet? Like, we've got inflatables in our yard right now, and it's... it's. I finally crossed over and they're just so easy. You plug them up, they inflate. But guess what happens when it rains? The stakes come out and Santa falls over, right? The snowman falls over and it takes days for the ground to dry up. But the Israelites walk through instantly on dry ground. And those are miracles that, that we sometimes miss. And so they've experienced all this. And then we find them in Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. And it says, then Moses... "...led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. And they traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water, and when they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink, so they called the place Mara, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned to Moses, "'What are we going to drink?' They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. And Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. And a couple other translations, just a side note there, say that that um, God showed Moses a tree and said, "Throw the tree in the water." And it's not just that the water was now good to drink, but it even said it was sweet. So it went from. Bitter water, and, and if you think about just to get the taste of bitter water in your mouth, when you've went to the to the beach and you've been out coasting on the waves, right? All my surfers in the room. No, just kidding, right? But, but when you're hanging out on the floaty, the unicorn floaty, maybe not you, right? And a giant wave comes and knocks you over and you get a mouth and a nostril full of salt water. And think about the bitterness of that. They've been traveling for three days, and this is the first water that they've had. And, and we kind of read, it's like, oh, they had some bitter water. No, think about it. You're in the desert for three days, and the first water you get is salty seawater, bitter water. And so they're complaining about it. And then the people complained. And it says, Moses took this, this, this tree, this piece of wood, threw it in the water, and it turned it from bitter to sweet. And it was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree— as a standard to test their faithfulness. He said this, if you'll listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping, <coughs> keeping all his decrees, then I will, make, will not make you suffer, I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. And then he says this, for I am the Lord who, what? Heals you. Then after leaving Mara, the Israelites traveled to, onto the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped beside the water. Let me pray for us quickly. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that it would be your word that is um, going forth, because your word says in Isaiah that you send it forth, just as the rain and the snow, and you cause it to produce exactly what you want it to, um, bearing fruit in our lives. And so, God, reveal ourselves to us. Let us see you in the text. Um, transform us through the power of your word and your spirit into the image of your son. Amen. And so, we look at this. He is the Lord that heals. And the Hebrew word for that is Jehovah Rapha or Yahweh Rapha. And looking at kind of the English translation of that, it means to heal, to repair. It means to return to its original state. And so what God is saying is as you obey me, as you follow me, as you um, follow my commands, I will keep you healthy, I will keep you whole, I will keep you in your original state and prevent any of the diseases and plagues that you witnessed in Egypt from coming upon you. and so when we look at this, this, this aspect of healing, and we're going to talk today about Jehovah Rapha, our God heals, and we're going to take some time at the end of service today, and we're going we're gonna to pray for healing, and there has been some misconception maybe over sickness, in um, some of our perspectives, and there's been some misconception over healing and, and how God does it and why he does it and, and, and why he doesn't, and can we trust God to heal? And we look all from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, and as God, Yahweh, puts on flesh as Yeshua, as Jesus, we see that, that healing is a part of his ministry. And, but what we have to understand is, is how did sickness get here? Um, we have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 at the fall, and that when, when the relationship between Adam and Eve was, was completely perfect, there was no sickness. There wasn't any, but because of sin, we have to know, and now we have to reckon with the consequence that sin, sickness and brokenness are consequences of sin within humanity, Okay? of sin within humanity. And, and, and I want to look at this from two fronts, that from in a general state, because of Adam and Eve's sin, sickness entered all of humanity. And our bodies are not just infected, our lives are not just infected with sickness and disease, but that sickness and disease actually has a root, and the root of that is called sin. And so when we talk about healing, we we understand that healing takes place on the surface level. If we want to talk about the surface being physical, emotional, and relational. But really what happens is when healing happens, healing happens, it, it ultimately happens at the root, at the deepest level within our sin. That sin is the ultimate sickness. And so from a general standpoint, we have to wrestle with sickness because the world is corrupt and cursed. Because of sin. So anytime there is sickness, it's because we live in a fallen world in a general statement, right? We understand that. But then I also want us not to neglect that there are also some sicknesses that we experience within our own lives that are not general, that are specific because of sin that we have allowed into our life, okay? If you are living a lifestyle of sexual promiscuity, And there are consequences and sickness within our body that is a result of a personal sin, right? If we are living in complete um, negligence of what God calls us to live healthily within our life and within our body, that sickness that we have, guess what, is a result from our sin. And if you were to honestly, like, when, when I think about this specifically and I look across the board at sickness in our culture today, I would think there are probably a couple of sins if we wanted to narrow it down, that if, if we look at the Ten Commandments and we narrow down like what sins are we um, committing that is causing sickness? And I think one of them would be um, failing to recognize the Sabbath and keeping it holy, because that is a time of rest when our body recuperates. And so, a lot of us and myself, I'm like, I'm guilty of breaking that on a weekly, probably. Well, you, yeah, if you don't Sabbath, you're breaking it weekly, right? Taking a full day of rest, because what is happening is our body does not get a chance to restore, it doesn't get a chance to repair. And so, sickness comes in our body because we just wear ourselves out. But guess what? Failing to rest is a sin. And the other one is this. I think a lot of times we're sick mentally and emotionally is because we are coveting what other people have. We don't like to think about that, but we're looking at the houses other people have. We're looking at the lifestyle the other peoples have. We're looking through Instagram. We're looking through work. We're seeing what everyone else has, and we become emotionally and mentally sick because we don't have what they have. So we worry about making more money. We worry about paying debt. We're anxious, which causes us not to rest, which causes sickness in our body. So there is a sickness generally, but then there's also a sickness specifically in a personal sense. And, and scripture does tell this from beginning to end that sometimes sickness is brought upon us as a consequence of our sin, to get our attention to, get our attention to discipline us because we have not been following the way. Now, this is the part we don't like to talk about, okay? This is the, this is the hard part of Scripture that, that we don't always wanna dig into, but we have to look at this. But also, on the same time, there have been um, fundamental teachers and denominational teachers that says every single, every single sickness that we have in our body is because of a specific sin, that we've committed. So can we throw that out, that that is not true, that every sickness is not because of a specific sin? Because I have seen people live in bondage with that thought. I have seen leaders live in bondage with that thought because they had family members that they said had had bitterness and unforgiveness, and that caused sin. Now, that can bring upon stress on the body, but there's also been individuals that was just the sweetest people in the world. Like, they never seemed bitter. And I've heard people say, well, it was because there was hidden bitterness and unforgiveness that caused them to be sick. That's false teaching as well. And so we're going to stand in the middle with this. Can we do that, guys? And understanding that, that in generally there's sickness because of sin in humanity. But then at times when we live against God's best for us... There is personalized, if I can use that term, sickness within our body because God even says this. He says, as long as you follow my decrees, I will keep you healthy. And so when we look at, at Jesus's ministry, he went about, scripture says in Matthew chapter four, and then Paul or Peter even describes in Acts chapter three that, that Jesus went about doing good. He went about preaching the kingdom and he went about doing what? Healing people. Healing those that were sick and healing those with diseases and illnesses of every kind. And when we look in the book of Mark, especially, the book of Mark talks about all of Jesus's works. And we see healing after healing and miracle after miracle. And we see Jesus um, healing in response to our faith. We see Jesus healing people in response to their faith, and and, and in in Mark chapter 5, we see the woman with the issue of blood, and and Jesus is in town, and she goes to where Jesus is, and she fights through the crowd, and the scripture says that, that as she is fighting through the crowd, she says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I can be healed. If I can just touch, and, and we, we read that story, and especially those of us who have, who have heard it preached dozens of times, and we've listened to the podcast, and we've read it, like over time, it begins to lose its color. It begins to lose its, its luster, and we think, we miss out on how much she was probably suffering for 10 years. And her opportunity after hearing about Jesus is in town. And in her faith, she fights through the crowd, fights through her identity to get to him and grabs the hem of his garment. And we know the story. Jesus says, somebody touched me. The disciples are like, there's people everywhere. Of course, someone touched you, Jesus. It's like being in a mosh pit. Someone's always like, Jesus was just surrounded. And he's like, no, 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 no. This, this was a different touch. I felt power leave my body. And then when it comes to be recognized that it was the woman, this was Jesus's, Jesus' response to her in verse 4 of Mark chapter 5. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Your faith has made you well. Your suffering is over. And then we see the story, and I think it's Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter 2, where Jesus is teaching in the house, and the house is so full, and, and there's some friends with a guy who's paralyzed, um, and they go up to the roof, and they lower him down into the room where Jesus is. And the scripture says that seeing their faith, not the faith of the guy that's on the mat, but seeing the faith of the friends who like hauled him up onto the roof and then lowered him down the roof, seeing their faith, he was forgiven and he was healed. So God heals in response to our faith. But I want to be careful that we don't get caught up in that and thinking that it's, it's our faith. Like, like something that we have. There have been generations and years of crusades that were built around people because of the faith and the gifting that they had. And people would come up to receive healing and then would walk away, possibly not healed, and would be feeling like, well, I guess I don't have enough faith. And that does equally more damage than that. And so we have to understand that God heals in response to our faith. Let's like we celebrate that, we know that, we walk in faith, but then we also have to understand that, that God heals despite our lack of faith. That, that he heals despite if, if I have the faith or not. Because guess who gives us our faith to begin with? God. It says that each one of us has been given a measure of faith, that we've been given that. And, and we see this also in, in the book of Mark, in Mark chapter 9, and there's this boy that's been possessed by an evil spirit, and he's having seizures, and it's throwing him into the fire and into the water. And Jesus and three of the disciples are up on top of the mount. And and they witness Jesus, these three guys witness Jesus in his glorified state. And then they come back down and the rest of the disciples are working. And there's a fight going on. And this guy comes to Jesus and he's like, What's what's happening? And and the guy's like, Well, I brought my son to your apostles and they couldn't heal them heal him. And Jesus makes this statement, how much longer do I have to be with you people? Sometimes we have that attitude with our folks at work, right? How much longer do I have to be? And so, so, so he, he corrects them. And then he, he tells the father this. He says, um, the father says, would you heal him if you can? And Jesus asks this question. He says, what do you, what do you mean if you can? and he says everything is possible for one who believes let's say that say say everything jesus didn't say some things he didn't say a few things he said everything is possible for those who believe so we know god responds to our faith and healing and he says everything but the guy's response was i have enough faith let's do this his response was i believe but help my unbelief and that when we Feel like we don't have enough faith, we don't walk away saying, I don't have enough faith. God can't do what he needs to do because of my faith. No, we come back to God and we say, God, I believe, but can you fill in the gaps where my faith is missing? And so God heals even in spite that man, that father's lack of faith. And so we see this And it says, immediately, the Father explained, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. We come back to the Father, we come back to Jesus, and we say, help my unbelief, because faith, ultimately, when it comes to the things of God, faith is not for the healing, but it is in the one who brings the healing. We said this in the second week when we talked about Jehovah-Jireh. Faith is not just for the provision But it's in the one who brings the provision. And where we've messed up, I think, in modern American church is is we put our faith for things, not in Him. We put our faith for healing, we put our faith for deliverance, we put our faith. For provision instead of putting our faith in him. And when that faith is lacking, we come back to him and say, hey, look, I got a gap. Can you fill this gap? And so when we look at this and, and we've all in this room and, and if I can kind of just be plain, like speak plainly and, and authentically for a moment, every single one of us in this room, we have prayed for people and we have experienced healing for those people. But then we have also prayed for people and we have not seen the healing that we wanted or thought we deserved, they deserved. And how do we reconcile that? It's like, Stephen, you're gonna pray for healing, but what if God doesn't heal? And I wanna talk about like, we, we have to understand that, that when healing takes place here, there's a reason for it, right? But when healing doesn't take place in our body, guess what? There's a reason for it. And that's the hard thing that I think we sometimes don't want to talk about. And so can we talk about those just for a few moments? That, that when, when God does not heal and sickness remains, could it be, again, I am the created trying to explain the creator, right? But when we look at God's word, could it be that maybe God's trying to get our attention, And I've heard a pastor say that sometimes the only time God can get us to look up is when he puts us on our back, (laughs) right? And for some of us who are so busy, there are times he has to slow us down because we're not Sabbathing on our own, and so he pumps the brakes for us. He created us. He knows where the stop button is, right? And and it's like, well, where is this in Scripture? And we like to quote the Scripture in in 2 Chronicles 7. It's like, if my people will humble themselves and turn to me in prayer, I will heal them. And I'll return to them their land. We love that Scripture. We pray over that Scripture. We recite that Scripture. But can we go up one verse? Let's go up one verse and let's go up one verse. In verse 13, it says, at times I, God's saying I, he's not saying I'm gonna allow it. He's saying I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or I might command grasshoppers to devour your crops and send plagues among you. He's allowing it and he's sending it to do what? To get our attention. We don't like to talk about, about that, but sometimes God uses sickness to get our attention. Other times, um, he, 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 he um, allows sickness and maybe delays healing because it becomes a testimony about him. John 9 and 2 Corinthians 12 talks about this. In John 9, the disciples are walking in the midst of the ministry and they see this man that has been born blind. He didn't just have an accident and become blind. He was born that way. And the disciples asked the question, it was like, is this man blind because of his sin or his parents' sin? And think about like, if he's born blind, that means he sinned while he was in the womb. So it was like, like it was was a rough pregnancy. So he did not honor his mother while he was in the womb. So therefore, God made him blind. How how ridiculous is that? But that's the theology sometimes we are given here in, in certain circles. And Jesus said, neither. He wasn't born blind because of his sin or his parents' sin. He was born blind so that God might be glorified in this moment. Now, we can look at that on two different sides and say, oh, how terrible is that? Or we can say, oh, how glorious is that, that that God's life was used as a testimony, as an evidence to point to and justify who Jesus is. But then we also see Paul as he's writing to the Corinthians and says, look, I've got this thorn in the flesh. I've got this, um, I've got this messenger from the enemy. And some people say it was a character flaw. Some people say it was a physical element. Some people say it was, it was a competitive apostle. Like we don't know, but, but we do know that it was not removed because he prayed not once, not twice, but thrice. And God said that it's in your weakness my strength is made perfect, that in your weakness and you walking in my strength, you become a testimony. Guys, some of the most inspirational people, faith-filled people that have been in my life are not necessarily the ones that were healed, but the ones that are still walking in faith even as they're believing for a healing because they're doing and pursuing things that in my healthy body, I'm kind of afraid to, but you know what, they're walking in faith even in their sickness, and so sometimes God does not, I don't wanna say he fails to heal, but sometimes he delays the healing to get our attention or so that we can be a testimony, and then the reality of this, to say the hard things, sometimes sickness, accidents, Are a part of getting us to eternity. Okay? That's the hard part we don't like to grapple with. (laughs) I can't, like, I've got numerous family members that I prayed for healing and they would be healed for a season, but ultimately that sickness took them to eternity. You know why? Because scripture is very clear in Hebrews 9 that each and every single one of us, we have an appointment. An appointment where our time on this earth will end and we walk into eternity with our heavenly Father worshiping 24-7, not just on Sundays and worship nights. Not just, not just, but, but we get to stand before his glory. And listen, guys, is that not the hope that we have? But we look at suffering, we look at sickness, and, and we look at even death as we miss out. But Paul says... To live is Christ, but to what? To die is gain. And he says, the only reason, like, the only reason I hope to stay here in this body is for your benefit. But me personally, he says, like, I wanna be before the Lord. And so when sickness comes, we can have a perspective. It's like, oh, he's not healing me. God, I must not have enough faith. Or or God doesn't love me. or, Or what have I done wrong? Or we can have the perspective and say, no, look, you know what? God's getting my attention about something. God's writing a story in me that's gonna be a testimony and inspiration for someone else. And maybe we have a family member that, that was not healed, like, you know what, we prayed, and now he's worshiping before the throne. It's the hard things, guys. But I want us to walk in faith of who God is, not just in what he does for us. And we have to understand that part of it. And so we, we understand this, that, that, that earthly healing is temporary. Earthly healing is temporary. Whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, the only healing that is permanent is the spiritual healing because the ultimate sickness is sin and Christ is taking care of that sickness and that root on the cross. Paul says this, that that our physical bodies cannot inherit eternal things says this in in um, 1 Corinthians 15. Our earthly bodies can't inherit the kingdom. We can't inherit what lasts forever. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. I'm already picking out what that body's gonna look like, guys. I'm gonna be ripped. I'm gonna have, like... Some of you, <laughs> should I say this? Um, no, I'm not going to, okay. <laughs> that one's gonna stay in here. <laughs> that one's gonna stay. But, but that's because this temporary home that we have, it can't inherit the glory and the greatness of the eternal that we're gonna inherit, guys. And as believers, we need to come to a point where we put hope in that. And I think we've gotten in the last several years, we've gotten so caught up in the temporal blessings that God gives us now. We celebrate those, but we forget that everything we experience is far greater on the other side of eternity than it is now. And there's only one way to get there, right? So, Stephen, you're talking about praying for healing. This is depressing. Where are you going with this? We're still going to pray for healing we're still gonna believe for the sick to be healed. We're still gonna believe for relationships to be healed. And In John chapter 11, um, verses 34 and 30 through 37, when Jesus' his friend Lazarus was sick, and he decided just to, to wait a few days before going there, and they're like, if, if Jesus only would have been here, and Jesus makes the statement, he said, for, for your sake, I'm glad that I wasn't. And they told him, Lord, come and see. In verse 35, it says that Jesus wept. That was the first scripture I memorized in Sunday school for my piece of candy, right? Two words. Everybody can do that. But, but Jesus felt the emotion. I love in Hebrews, it says that Jesus has experienced everything that you and I will experience. And because of that, we can freely come to him and ask for what we need. So Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And then let's, let's look what the people were saying. In verse 36, the people who were standing by, they said two things. They said, see how much he loved him. He's moved with compassion. But then there's another group of people that said this. The man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Couldn't he have, like, we've seen him raise the dead. We've seen him heal people. Couldn't he have just come and saved his friend? And I think there's times as, believers and as Christians, we've had those same thoughts. God, we've seen you do this. Why couldn't you just heal my grandmother, my father, my husband, me and my body? Why could you not just heal my marriage? Why can you not just heal my mind? We've seen you and, and, and we can be in one of those camps. But I want us to be in the camp where this is, see how much Jesus loves me See how much Jesus loved Lazarus. See how much he loves me. And this is, through this whole series, this is what I want us to do and that we should seek to trust God's nature instead of trying to understand his motive. Because we waste a lot of faith energy in trying to figure out why God does things. God's okay with our questions. I'm not saying don't question, but at some point, you just gotta shut up and say, God, all right, I believe you're good. And this isn't a healing story, but I want to have the attitude in life of the Hebrew boys in Daniel, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego. When the idol is built, and King Nebuchadnezzar says, When the band plays, you all have to worship. The band plays, and these three boys they don't bow and worship, and so they're arrested, they're brought in, and Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm gonna give you one more chance. The music plays, worship. Their response is not just applied to that one instance, but I think it can be applied to everything that we walk with in God. And they say this, they say, your majesty, we know that if you throw us in that furnace, our God can save us. But I love this. But even if he doesn't, we still will not worship. And so how do we bring this to when it comes to healing? God, I know you can heal my body. God, I know you can heal my family member. But even if you don't, I will still worship you. And see, even when we don't know his motive, we can trust his nature, that he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. And we believe he can heal us. But even if he doesn't, we're still gonna worship. And in James chapter five, I'm gonna read this. And as the band comes, we're going to go um, into just another time of worship and prayer. It says, are any of you suffering hardships? This is Jesus's brother. He says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? This is what we do. We sing praises. And verse 14 says, are any of you sick? You should call the church elders to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. He says this, as you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confessing your sins to one another, pray for each other so that you might be healed. The earnest prayers of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. God heals in response to our faith. And so over the next few moments, we are going to respond in faith to God's word that says if you are sick, bring the elders, allow them to pray over you, anointing with oil that you might be healed. And understanding that healing could come in an instant, in a moment, But also, healing can come through a process. It can come through doctors. It can come through earthly wisdom. It can come miraculously. But we know the source of all wisdom, guys. We know the source of all healing is our Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jehovah Rapha, our Lord who heals. And so if you stand up with us, I'm gonna give us a little bit of instruction. The the team's gonna lead us in worship. And as we sing over the next few moments, here's what I wanna invite you to do. If you need healing in your body, if you need healing over your mind, or maybe there is a relationship that needs to be healed, but ultimately there's some healing spiritually that needs to take place in your life. As we sing, I have prayer team members in the back, I have some of our staff members in the back and they have anointing oil and it's not um, essential oils, right? It's, uh, we didn't bring that potion. Sorry, I'm just playing. But we, we have anointing oil and we see in scripture time and time again, anointing oil is used to represent the power of God. It's used to represent the spirit of God. It's used to represent Um, a setting apart and a consecration. One of my favorite scriptures about that is um, after Saul has been removed from the kingdom of Israel as the king and the prophet Samuel's mourning, it's like, what's, what's gonna happen? God tells Samuel this, the time for mourning has ended, fill your horn and move on. And so here's what we're going to do. We are, and, and then Samuel went and anointed David as king. We are going to anoint you with oil. There's nothing magical about the oil. It is a spiritual, symbolic agreement with God's power and presence in our life. Just as baptism is symbolic of the burial of our new life, being resurrected to new life, the anointing of oil is believing God Your presence is here. Your spirit is here. I believe that you can heal me. But even if you don't, I still worship you. And so as the band plays, I want you to feel at peace and at freedom about going and receiving prayer from our prayer team in the back. So let me pray, and then they're gonna lead us. Father, we just come to you this morning, and I just thank you for um, your word that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between bone and marrow, revealing us who we are. And God, we stand in your word that says that if we are having hardships, we're to pray. If we're sick, we're to pray. And we're trusting that you will move on our behalf according to your will. But in the midst of the healing and in the midst of the waiting, we're still going to worship. Because even when we don't understand your motive, we seek to trust your character. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And let's worship and move to the back for prayer if you need it.